Hello everybody and welcome back to the second edition of the Concourse podcast and our World Cup mini-series. Last week, if you did tune in, you would have heard us go through our favourite, our top 10 favourite World Cup football shirts. Well, this week we're going to have a chat about our five worst World Cup songs as well as our five favourite World Cup related songs as well. We're going to take you through the group stages uh, and summarise where that's at as well as preview the last 16 games as well and make some predictions with the action up and coming. I'm joined by my good friend Scott Strata today. How are you doing Scott? Very well thanks Danny. Are you enjoying the World Cup so far mate? Loving the World Cup so far mate. Good to hear. It's, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's always fun, it's enjoyable and happens only every four years right? So uh, True. Yeah. And most World Cups you've got You've kind of got two hats in the ring, haven't you? Because you backed the Dutch and the and the Aussies, the Socceroos, at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I come from uh, Dutch heritage. Both parents were born there, uh, and sort of you know growing up as a kid, Australia, you know, wasn't in the frame from a World Cup football point of view. So um, it gave me no other choice but to jump on and, and follow the Dutch, uh, who are obviously quite a you know handy football nation during that time. Unfortunate to see them not in the current World Cup. But um, yeah, hopefully they can rebuild over the coming years and, and give the next uh, World Cup a crack. Um, look, and then obviously with you know them not playing within this World Cup, the Aussies, um, you know, it's it's always good to jump on the Aussie bandwagon. Uh, it's obviously you know my my heritage in terms of where I was born. So um, yeah, it's always fun trying to see how the Socceroos uh, Socceroos go at the uh, World Cup level. What was the with the tough group? What was the expectation for Australia going into that group with? France, with Denmark, with Peru, also I believe haven't been in a World Cup for, for many years too. Yeah, look, it was definitely the, the group of death, right? Um, challenging. Um, from an expectation point of view, uh, you know, I, I personally think there wasn't much expectation just because just how tough the group was. And um, I think, you know, the three teams that are part of the group with Australia, I think they're ranked, um, you know, within the top, top 12 countries in the world. So, um, so yeah, so look, from my point of view, there wasn't a lot of expectation, but there was a fair bit of hope that they would, you know, um, do, do pretty well, at least win a couple of games. Um, but yeah, unfortunately it was, uh, you know, it was a little bit tougher and, you know, I guess the better teams won on the day. Um, some interesting tactics as well by, uh, by the Dutchman at the helm. So, um, yeah, quite interesting to see Cruz get a lot of game time and, you know, struggle here to there, in, in my opinion, in terms of being able to strike the ball and apply that pressure. And obviously, Timmy Cahill, one of the uh, one of the greats of Australian football, had very limited game time, so that was a bit unfortunate to see. Fair enough. All right, well, let's move into our five worst songs, and this was a collaborative effort. It'd be interesting to see if any Aussie numbers uh, feature in our worst five football songs, but let's see. Our first effort actually comes from my motherland, um, from, from England, uh, and it's Sven, 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 Goran Eriksson by Bell and Sperling. Now, just for the record, and let the record state, I really like this song. I wanted it in the top five. I think it's just comedic, comedic, fun, genius, but you weren't so keen, mate. No, wasn't so keen. Quite an interesting one. Um, yeah, not a lot to say about that one, unfortunately. I, uh, yeah, just w w wasn't a fan. There were some better options. Well, let's have a quick listen mix. to it, and uh, and then we'll share a few more thoughts. I'm hoping you can give it give it a second chance. Gerrard from range, powers the shot. What a goal, Stephen Gerrard! Oh, it was brilliant, Stephen Gerrard, the future of England football. Rudy, 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 Rudy Fowler. 
history with the Germans as well they they beat us in the semi-final Euro 96 yeah be interesting to see if any songs from Euro 96 or France 98 feature in this podcast today they beat us uh, in, in Euro 96 Mr. Se- Mr. Penalty Gareth Southgate now England manager Mr. Penalty at Wembley and that was our best performance in a tournament since since 1990 when we when, when we got to a semi-final which was the best performance in a tournament since we won the World Cup in 1966. So yeah. it kind of felt like England were a little bit of a force then. Uh, semi-final Euro 96, only for the Germans uh, to, to put us out at Wembley on penalties. Then we had them in qualifying, and our last ever game at Wembley, we played them at Wembley and they beat us 1-0. So to go to, to Munich and beat them 5-1 in their own backyard, That's and then have this song about it, I always found quite humorous and, and really, really light-hearted. So... Yeah, look, I, I really like that one uh, from uh, Bell and Sperling, two blokes from Dan Seth. Proper geezers, mate. You can hear it. You yeah, absolutely, it. mate. <laughs> tough for the Aussies to pick up the accent. All right, anyway, let's move on. We'll go to our um, ninth entry, um, which is a loose connection to the World Cup. It's by Kanan, the Somalian Canadian fella. And look, it's a joyous, happy tune, but I just think for me and you, this one just wasn't clicking, was it, mate? Just. It's just crap pop music, isn't it? Basically, basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. But, I mean, you look at some of the World Cups and some of the the, the, the key songs in, in previous years and, you know, I think the pop the pop feels like it's, you know, they, they like to aim for the pop, don't they? Go for the masses. They go for the masses, you know. And, um, yeah, it's obviously hits a broad demographic. But, um, yeah, this one, yeah, just didn't didn't hit the spot for me. And, yeah. So, so this was Coca-Cola's tune that they... This was actually recorded in 2008 and then Coca-Cola picked it up as their ad music for the 2010 World Cup. You, you go to that World Cup, South Africa? No. You went My, to... I went to Germany. Yep. In 2006. Shelley, your missus, did she go to 2010? Shelley went, luckily went 2010. Oh, okay. The, the Netherlands, the Aranya, made the final. Changed their game plan and lost to Spain, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I would love to have been there, but unfortunately I didn't get invited. So um, that's all right. You can't go to a mall, can you? I think we've got to the crux <laughs> of why Scott doesn't like this song. It's the World Cup that he never went to. So believe it or not, we're, we're just not no big comment. fans of this one. It actually got to it actually got to number two. Uh, it actually got to number two in Canada, where K9 is from. Let's have a quick listen. Give me freedom. Give me fire. Give me reason. Take me high. Like a wave 
Okay, so this Canaan track that was used for Coca-Cola, yeah, as I said, it actually got to number two in Canada, believe it or not. And then when they had, I think it was an earthquake in Haiti, he got a lot of people together and used it as a fundraiser and sort of went, went back out there with it again. So I think it was called Young Artists for Haiti. And he had Nelly Furtado, Avril Lavigne, Drake. All yeah, right. like Basically, the population of Canada, yeah. uh, it sounds like. But now, whether Drake's on it or not, or Nelly Furtado, not keen on that one. All right, let's move it forward. And we've actually got an Aussie entrant here. And this is Rogue Traders. Now, do you, do you know this band, Scott? I do know the band. I do know Rogue Traders. Um, yeah, fortunately or unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we've got Natalie, Natalie Bassingthwaite at the helm. Okay. Um, as a key lead vocalist. Uh, she's quite an interesting individual and uh, over the time is, you know, shone in spotlight across the uh, the socialite and celebrity pages. But um, yeah, Rogue Traders, I, I'd probably say, aren't one of my favourite favorite Aussie bands of all time. So this was another 2010 entrant. I'm just going to read you something off the Wikipedia page here, okay? Just so anyone that hasn't heard of Rogue Traders, which is all of us, can get a feel for who these guys are. Okay, so on the 13th of August 2009, Rogue Traders revealed that Henwood, this is a band member, had returned on guitar and Spencer had left. It's a big deal. On the 14th of November 2009, Ash revealed via Twitter their new lead singer, Melinda Mindy Jackson, and new drummer, Peter Marin. Um, then on the 25th of December 2009 on Christmas Day they released Love Is War and it was issued as a download single and it peaked at number 90 now for me alarm bells are raising alarm bells are ringing when you have a band that peaks at number 90 and you're thinking about using them for your World Cup song on the 12th of March Would You Raise Your Hands was released as a follow up single which reached number 95 Still for me, alarm bells, mate. No better. Yeah, it? no, we're going downhill here, okay. <laughs> so let's have a listen to, to Rogue Traders, Hearts Beat as One for the 2010 World Cup, and y you guys can make your own mind up. recap some of those lyrics burning from our southern sun fills the heart of everyone four more years of sweat and tears finally the moments here it's not going to win eurovision anytime soon i have to confess <laughs> so after getting to 95 with the with the single before that uh hearts beat as one they entered it into the australian chart failed to make it terrible uh, i mean if, if this is our third worst song i shouldn't think what the next two are going to look like <laughs> 
All right, let's move this forward anyway. Our, our next two, you would not think that the guy who composed this song um, would come up with anything half as bad as this. This is actually Un Estat Italiano from Giorgio Moroder. Now, Giorgio Moroder, he's worked with Donna Summer, Freddie Mercury, Daft Punk. Some of the greats. Debbie Harry. I, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the pantheon of music. He's known as the father of disco, all right? But this one he's come up with, Giorgio. We're lost for words, mate. Forse non sarà una canzone a cambiare le regole del gioco. Maybe it will not be a song to change the rules of the game, but I want to live this adventure so much, with frontiers and with a heart in the throat. It is a world in a carousel of colours, and the wind caresses the flags, the bivy comes and takes you away, and madness in a pub. For our non-Italian speakers, that's what Giorgio and the boys are on about there. Clueless with this one. So apparently, can you believe this, mate? During... 1990, between January and September, because this was used as the theme music for Italia 90 in Italy. It was the best-selling song in Italy. Unbelievable. Can't, uh, yeah, can't, yeah. Giorgio, mate, we're, we're lost for words. All right, so hands down, hands down, it has to be the worst World Cup song ever recorded in relation, tenuously or not, to any World Cup. And it's a shame for me, this one, because... I just remember wagging school so much during the summer of 2002 to, to watch this World Cup. And it was on early in the morning, 7.30 games before you went in. I actually remember I was revising for uh, my first exam of my GCSEs. Uh, and I pulled a sickie on the Friday to watch France v Senegal. Yeah, right. And it was Korea versus Japan. And I just I remember loads about this World Cup. But what tarnishes it is this awful effort from Anastasia. Boom. Boom. Here to get you. <laughs> No, and we spoke a little bit in the last podcast, I don't know if you remember, mate, France 98, that sort of turning of the tide more towards, you know, this modern football that we know today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four years later, we're in Japan and Korea and it's gone. All these yeah. big sponsorships, Anastasia, you know, set Blatter FIFA, mate, set Blatter's FIFA. Let's have a listen to this one because it's diabolical. We'll do it very, very quickly and then we're going to move on because looking for positive feedback on this podcast and playing too much of this song don't think it's going to do anyone any favours is it do you reckon it's got anything to do with how she looks boom what do you reckon what was the I'm out of I'm trying to remember other songs now is that saying something yeah 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 I don't know <laughs> alright see what it's about Yeah, we're not going to dwell on this one and waste too much oxygen on it. Suffice to say, FIFA, uh, you've let us down there. Anyway, all right, let's move on to the football itself. Uh, we'll come back and have a look at our favourite five songs in a moment. Um, 
uh, before we then finalise and wrap up with our preview of the last 16, which kicks off this evening. France and Argentina will certainly have played um, probably by the time we get this up and running, but we'll make our predictions nonetheless. So, since we saw you last, uh, Russia brushed past Egypt, uh, brushed aside Egypt in, in Group A, but succumbed to Uruguay in the third round of games. Um, so I think Luis Suarez got off the mark and scored in both of the latter two games there. He's up and running and he's looking good as a Uruguay now. Um, they topped the group and have got the momentum going into their last 16 game, but they're going to play against Portugal, who've also done well um, in, um, in Group B as well. In Group B, uh, Ronaldo was the difference again against Morocco, uh, but it was Ricardo Quaresma's goal. Sumptuous effort with the outside of the boot. Did you see that one, Scott? Cut in from the wing. Really nice finish, wasn't it? Really nice. And the Iranian goalkeeper, he's probably been one of the best keepers in the tournament. He's been fantastic. Like, it should have been Portugal 6. Yeah. He's, it, done, Iran he's actually been fantastic. Well. I think he was homeless at one point. Really? Yeah, and he he, st- he went. He became pizza delivery guy, and he's just dragged himself up from nothing, and he's, he's targeting, like, a big move to like, either PSG or Liverpool, I think he says. Yeah, right. I think he's going to have plenty of offers. He's done really, really well. Absolutely. But that Quaresma goal was, was unstoppable. Um, Spain also broke Iranian hearts uh, through another Diego Costa strike. Um, they drew with Morocco as well. Spain are going to face the hosts at the Luzhniki Stadium uh, later on in the week too, and we'll have a chat about that later. Meanwhile, in Group C, we had a chat about this before, mate. Uh, Kylian Mbappe opened his account for France. His goal was the difference against Peru in the second games. Meanwhile, uh, Denmark drew with Australia. Australia scored both their goals in the tournament from the spot. I don't think they scored a goal in open play since 2010 now. So no. we were chatting offline before um, about probably the lack of attacking threat that the Aussies have got. Yes, um, Mr. Cruz. Mr. Cruz. Talk us through him. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, he actually he actually got a bit of the ball and, and found it. And um, I think for me, with him and his tournament, particularly in this game, is it's just you know, obviously applying pressure through through having shots on goal. And you know, you, you think you'd look at Cruz and you'd, you'd see him with the possession and he'd be in a spot and just couldn't move quick enough to, to have that strike, which is disappointing, right? Because obviously that's how you build the pressure in the game. So yeah, um, my opinion was, you know, Timmy Cahill in this game, unfortunately, um, you know, didn't get any didn't get any match time. And I think if he, if he came on, uh, maybe could have, you know, sub Cruz out, it could have, you know, opened things up and, and, and made a difference. Obviously, yeah, disappointing that the goals have only come from the uh, from the set spot. But, you know, I really thought we we, we probably should have won this game, the Aussies. Mm. Um, unfortunately, you know, having a draw, it, it was, it was you know, not, not, a, not a bad outcome, but it wasn't the best outcome. So Did it set um, you well for that last game against Peru, did it? Uh, Left it out of your hands. Yeah, yeah, look. I think getting the win would have would have you know had us go into the Peru game with a bit less pressure uh, on the Aussies. So yeah, but um, you know that's football, isn't it? It is, mate. And and looking at that Aussie team, then players like Cruz and really lacking some proper recognised high caliber striker. Where's where's the future? Where's the hope for for the Australian football team? Because the manager oh, look, won't stay on, will he? Beg your pardon. The manager won't stay on, will he? The, the Graham Arnold. No, he's involved. done. He's yeah. done. So um, Graham Arnold, he's been appointed. Has Sydney he? FC. Yeah. Coach, he's going to yeah. take over. Yeah, it sounds like it. So um, yeah, I think look, some really good young, other exciting players uh, within the Socceroos squad. Um, that you know, some of them you know 
had their chance to, to sort of show a little bit on the world stage of what they've got. Uh, Azani, um, you know, great little player. And, you know, that's another one where bringing him into the piece a bit earlier in some of these games probably would have, you know, applied a bit more pressure, particularly in this game uh, against Denmark. You know, he came on and he actually did some really good things. Azani was lively and I've seen plenty of players, uh, even England players with a couple of caps or debutants that looks a little bit nervy. And of course, there is the weight of expectation, mm. you know, playing for England, birthplace of the game after all um, but Azani was lively he looked really confident I like watching him yeah absolutely um, it's exciting right and these are the players which I think we need to, to give game time we need to you know nurture and bring up and, and, and get them more and more confident each and every game with how they play particularly on such a big stage mm. um, so yeah the more players like Azani we can bring through uh, through the ranks I think you know It'll have Australia and the Socceroos in in you know a good spot with 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 the years to come. So yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I think you know these things do take time though. Mm. You know, so um, you know the next World Cup is going to be interesting. We'll see how, see how it goes. I think Azani, if I'm not mistaken, I think he plays for the Melbourne Knights in the Northern in the in the National Premier League, the Victorian segment of the National Premier League. So he, he's not yeah, an A right. League player. Yeah, um, he probably will be now though. He's got to have a knock on his door soon. Uh, he's a really talented player. But is this a problem for for the game here? Uh, the A-League uh, run their season alongside the Premier League. And that probably helps get bums on seats because they're not competing with AFL in, in the Victorian motherland here. Yeah. Or, and the NRL with the rugby on the East Coast. But then, at the moment, the state leagues, uh, which are sort of the fourth and fifth tiers of, of Australian soccer, yeah. the NPL, the second and third tiers, they're being played now yeah. out, out of the European out of the European season. So yeah. would it help maybe to shift and, and have everything playing at the same time and natural promotion, relegation, spark a little bit more competition and perhaps then draw some European players down under during the European off season, yeah. perhaps raise the calibre of the game here? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's definitely an option that, that, that should and be explored. Um, you know, having soccer on at the same time that AFL on, that, that's going to be an interesting, you know, that would be very interesting to see how that would pan out. But yeah, definitely agree with, you know, how do we get some key marquee players here playing more frequently and more often um, and really helping to build the game up from a grassroots level and really, I guess, grow that interest in the game, uh, particularly from a national level within Australia. So, um, so yeah, similar to, you know, Bogut coming out and playing for the Sydney Kings in the basketball. Mm. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see what impact that has on, on you know, the NBL and the game here nationally as well. Yeah, fair play. In Group D, uh, nobody seems to have read the script in that one. Argentina were dismantled and, dare I say, humiliated by Croatia, who put three past them. Uh, Luka Modric's goal was the pick of the bunch and it's perhaps one of the goals of the tournament so far. The third, uh, Rakitic's tap in the ball laid across the six-yard line, just really summed up the difference between the two sides. Elsewhere in D, Nigeria got points on the board with a 2-0 win over Iceland. Uh, Ahmed Musa grabbed a brace, as he did likewise in the group stage uh, in Brazil four years ago. I think it might have even been to the day that he grabbed the, that brace. Um, it sees Croatia top the group and they'll face Denmark. Um, and on paper this evening, perhaps the, the game of the tournament, France versus Argentina, both of those have started probably a little bit slow by their standards. Australia gave a good account of themselves against France and Argentina obviously have suffered that defeat in the group as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, group E has been a really interesting group. Uh, Mexico went on after beating Germany in the opening game to beat South Korea 2-1. 
uh, indicating the group was going to be a little bit closer than we first thought. Uh, Germany getting off the mark against Sweden. Uh, the holders with a 2-1 win, of course, uh, a last-minute last minute goal. Um, but only for South Korea to spring a surprise and beat Germany. Did you catch any of that one? Did you catch any of the goals, Scott? Yeah, catch the catch the scare. I mean, South Korea did well, didn't they? Really well. Um, you know, who who would have called that? Who would have thought that they would have been? You know, the Germans. Um, you know, going to the going into the cup. You know, Germany was probably the team that I had. You know, in the frame as as the team to win the cup. Um, so yeah, really interesting result there. Uh, obviously disappointed to see the Germans bow out and not have a go at that sort of you know round of sixteen. Um, you know, round so. Yeah, but you know, you look at the game in South Korea, and they, you know, they 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 took their shots when they had their chances, and, and it paid off for them. So, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Surprise of the tournament so far that one Germany losing to South Korea and going out. Yeah, definitely. That's, That's probably the biggest upset of 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 the uh, of the cup so far. Definitely, in my in my uh, my opinion. Uh, Brazil topped their group uh, with Switzerland finishing as runner-up in that one. I think that means Switzerland have now won 15 competitive consecutive games, which is a really good run for them. Huge. In the end, Serbia missed out. They couldn't build on their win versus Costa Rica in the first game uh, and were absolutely by, shellacked by Brazil 3-0. Um, in Group G, uh, that one was all stitched up before a ball was needed to be kicked on Thursday night in Kalingrad. Uh, England put six past Panama with Harry Kane grabbing a hat-trick, two from the spot. He's uh, he's the golden boot winner. As a neutral, Scott, how good is Harry Kane? And can he win the golden boot for England? Or where's his competition? Yeah, look, I think, you know, he's, he's a good player. Um, you know, he can kick goals. It's all going to be dependent, I think, on you know how deep did England go in this World Cup. Mm. Um, you know, that's what it's going to come back to, I think. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how they fare in their next game against Colombia? Uh, feels like they've had, you know, probably one of the easier runs in the cup to date. So, you know, the English tabloids, how much pressure will they put on their uh, their home nation and, and, and what, what, what role will that play? Yeah, it's interesting speaking of friends. The expectation's quite low, but as you said, with the, the Australian performance uh, against France, even though they didn't get the result, it breeds confidence going into the other games. England mm. have sort of had that across the group that you can't help but feel a little bit more confident and hopeful mm, off the back of the wins. And look, the opponents, uh, with all due respect, and Belgium aside, they're not the highest calibre. No. Um, but they still managed to put two and six goals past them. Yeah. Um, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And when you beat them well, it's, it's a good sign. Um, look, I was, I was really happy with the performance uh, against against Panama with Panama with the six goals, thought Panama were a little bit rough and ready. Um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Group H in a moment, which was separated by fair play. Um, but had Panama been in the mix, he would have struggled with the amount of yellow cards they suffered. Very physical team. Very physical, very and physical early, right? And um, you know, yeah, I was quite surprised watching you know watching that game and looking at Panama and just going. How are you going to have a, a team on the park at the end of this game? Yep. Yeah, not great. <laughs> you know, they uh, they were very physical and didn't do them any favours. But um, obviously, you need to be physical to a certain extent. But were they playing football or were they playing, uh, you know, were they, were they thinking they were playing rugby or something? I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was very interesting and rather strange to watch. But 
South America's answer to 1970s Leeds, perhaps. <laughs> so elsewhere in the group, um, Belgium put five past Tunis, who responded with a couple themselves. Uh, Romelu Lukaku was against the goals and some of the team play and the pace of Belgium looked really, really nice. Um, so, you know, it made for a really good game when both Belgium faced uh, England, when Belgium faced England on, on Thursday evening in Kalingrad, as we said. Um, they were only separated by fair play at the time. I think it was a yellow card, the difference. Mm. But of course, it was a, a Yanazai, an Adnan Yanazai goal, former Manchester United winger, and Loney to Sunderland as well, uh, who was the difference. And in fairness, he was allowed too much space. Um, for me, I thought that game was, was quite slow in the first half. Uh, both teams made 17 changes between them, and you could really feel the difference. A little bit of the tempo came out of them, but you can't deny Belgium's second string is, is probably a little bit better than England's. Mm. That said, they were there for the taking. Um, and just with a midfield of, of Dyer, Loftus-Cheek, um, uh, and I forgot who the third player was in midfield for England now. Fabian Delph, City's Fabian Delph. Yeah. Um, was just a little bit slower and less dynamic than, than probably what England would have needed. Um, and without having that, di- that direct outlet to get the ball into Kane and, and hold it up. Mm. Yeah, I think they struggled a little bit. Bringing Kane on was a little bit, a little, a little too, a little too late. Yeah. But by the by, I think most England fans are going to be happy that they're through. Um, you talked about the Columbia game earlier on. It'll be tough. Columbia have looked really good in the group. They've really come into their own now, come into the stride. But you might argue that they've got the easiest side of the draw. We'll have a chat about the last sixteen in a moment. But let's move into focusing on our favourite five World Cup songs. Um, so. Uh, Scotty and I had a chat about our favourites together and we we drilled those down to our favourite five with some very diplomatic uh, and respectful scoring. Um, there's a couple of entrants uh, from the UK in here. Um, we got our stats mixed up a little bit. We wanted to get the farm in there all together now and we realised it was a, a Euro 2004 uh, theme song. So we're going to go back to Italia 90 first of all. Um, and this isn't Italy's terrestrial televisions um opening TV credits. It's actually the BBC's. I'm sure you know this one. Worthwhile getting on YouTube and having a look at the opening credits for Italia 90 because they're an absolute work of art. Gone are the old theme tunes in your own match of the days, and yeah, it's uh, it's groundbreaking stuff. Really good opening credits, those ones. All right, let's fast forward eight years, and I think this World Cup that we're going to have a chat about briefly now, mate, France 98, was sort of our first proper World Cup for, for both of us. Yes, um, and absolutely. one of your countries, they did. One of your countries, uh, where your heritage is from, did really, really well. The Dutch at France 98. Yeah. Yeah, now look, they had a good cup in 98. And um, I was 10 years of age when this World Cup when this World Cup was on. So it was, yeah, as you were just alluded to, it was probably the first real World Cup of mine where I've sort of, you know, really got into it and, and started getting into, you know, world football more and more. You know, being at the age of 10 and yeah, the Netherlands had an absolute cracker of a tournament. Um, you know, disappointing to obviously bow out against Brazil in the semi-final through penalties. Um, I'm not sure about penalties, to be honest, at a World Cup level. Oh yeah? 
not sure whether Southern Death could uh, could could be the uh, could be the answer, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they had a great t- tournament. You know, the old Patrick Clivert used his head, you know, throughout the games, and you know, Dennis Bergkamp and a few of the guys, and yeah, it was impressive, really impressive. But unfortunately, we fell short, um, as we have in you know most of the World Cups we've started. You know, obviously, we haven't won a World Cup in the Netherlands, so yeah, it was um, yeah, it was good and. There was some really good, some really good, you know, some good music at the time of the the World Cup in in '98 in France. Some really good music. There was a uh, there was a young a young fella, yep, um, with his hair slicked back, a bit like yours, with his tan skin, <laughs> and we had this, you know, his little uh, South American Latino accent, and uh, mate, he delivered, he delivered, and that's why I think I remember this cup so fondly. So. For the listener at home, if you've not cottoned on yet, apparently fourth place in this list is Ricky Martin's... What was the name of the song? What was it called? Is it The, is it the Cup of Life? It's the English Cup translation. of Life. The Cup of Life was the English translation. Yeah, so it was it was the song of the World Cup in 98. And um, it was, I think, the song that made Ricky Martin, the great man, um, you know, set up his successful career in music. Um, yeah, so cracking song, absolutely banger. I love it. Not sure about you. It's growing on me. It's growing on you. There Let's you have go. a listen to Ricky Martin and uh, the Cup of Life, the El Copa del V, I think is is its original name. Having a chat there, mate, whilst that's been playing away in the background. Um, what a track! Yeah, you're keen as on this one. I, look, it's definitely uplifting. Um, I, I was mistaken because I didn't think this was. I thought something else was the official track of the 1998 World Cup, which I'll come on to in a moment and explain. But yeah, it's pretty abundantly clear from from chatting with you there that. I mean, even with me, with Sven, 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 Goran Eriksson, even though it wasn't an official song, it just yeah. sort of links to the memory and the time. Yeah, absolutely. Of the World Cup for you. Um, and then, what was? I mean, what was the TV coverage like back then in in Australia for for major tournaments like that? Um, look, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, SBS. Yeah, look, they had the uh, they had the telecast rights in '98, and you had Les Murray at the helm. And um, God, yeah. God rest his soul. Exactly right. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, and it's changed. Bloody um, oath, mate. Yeah, it's changed. You know, 
the uh, Telecaster World Football um, in Australia forever. It would live no longer with us. But yeah, in 98, he was there and played a really pivotal role. And uh, back then, um, you know, SPS played every single World Cup match. Um, just like they do today. Just like they do today. <laughs> exactly right. Thanks to uh, Optus Sport dropping the ball. Um, but yeah, look, you know, I think the song is probably one of the main reasons why I've got just so many memories of this of this time. You know, being a 10-year-old kid and, um, you know, Ricky Martin coming out with a banger and just the, the, the beat, the track, the feel, it just makes you feel alive. Makes you feel alive. Get around and, it, um, folks. You know, the lyrics are catchy. And um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a fantastic one. It brings back a lot of memories, which is one of the the underlying reasons why I'm I'm so keen on it. So all right, that's fair. Now we think as well that SBS here in Australia used that song for some of the highlight reels, and we had a little bit of a scroll around, and we couldn't find it. So if anyone's got that clip, let us know. We'd love to see it. Goals from the France '98 World Cup with Ricky Martin banging away in the background. That'd be imagine that. That'd be a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> now the next song um, is the one that I believed was actually the official song of the 1998 World Cup, and it's Carnival de Paris by Dario G. Have a listen to this. It's 50 years, right? And I definitely feel that pain because England haven't held a tournament now since Euro 96, the World Cup since 1966. So it's a, it's a fair old wait. 
But when it comes in, it's got the old little Frenchy Riviera feel, and then the samba, and then the Italian coming in. It's just no words, no lyrics, nothing that's gonna sort of stand the test of time and not. It's just a great little rhythm. It's a classic. It just kind of brings everyone. I love it. It's like uh, it's like it's got a little bit of a wide range of different European countries mm. just in the one song. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant track, brilliant track. And I have to confess, in researching this podcast, uh, I've not slept most nights because I can't get this song out of my head, so good luck with that one, listener. All right, let's move on, and we're getting a little bit closer to home for me now as well. Um, we are going to talk about the same two World Cups we've been having a chat about in this segment, Italia 90 and France 98, uh, and they're both English entrants as well. Um, so our second place by a whisker, our second place by a whisker is, of course, and the rap. Something to behold from John Barnes. World in Motion by New Order. Have a listen to this. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch. They think it's all over, but it is now. in motion there from uh, New Order and yeah pretty keen on this one mm. this one has definitely stood the test of time every World Cup that comes on it definitely is the playlist around the house um, and that rap from John Barnes unbelievable yeah you just can't imagine Peter Beardsley doing it though it just wouldn't sound the same it just wouldn't work mate. <laughs> uh, but John Barnes he, ups, he nails the brief there to be fair and obviously you know, New Order real sort of northern Manchester heritage uh, it's one that's pretty close to my heart, even if I was only three years old at the time. Um, but yeah, that's a decent one, that. And I just love the Areva Dirci, the little Italian reference in there, with it being Italia 90. Um, and it was always going to make the top ten, this one. Um, it's a classic. Now let's move it forward. Let's bounce it back forward again for our final entrant. Um, and this one, mate, we had a, it was a bit contentious between us, because you remember this song from the 2006 World Cup. Yeah, I do. It was in Germany. Um and I can I can remember this track being sung, um, yeah, it's sung sung in a lot of bars, pubs, and and, and outlets, um, which yeah obviously creates quite a lasting memory for myself. Um, so yeah, I, I really like this track, and you know when you sort of flick through the uh, the pro- the playlist, and you know we were picking out what what, what our favourites were. This um, yeah this one skyrocketed uh, up to my uh, up to, up to my favourite so no it's a great, great track really good track so the true history of this one is uh, it was actually released in 1996 by Badil and Skinner of course 
um, and it was talking about football, uh, football's coming home, uh, and this chance for England to, to finally win a trophy since the 1966 World Cup, but also hosting the tournament in their own backyard, and after coming so close, going out on penalties to the Germans, and now England manager Gareth Southgate infamously missing, of course, uh, the now England manager Gareth Southgate infamously missing. Um, they gave it another go at France 98 and uh, Badil and Skinner got, got together again with the lightning seeds and uh, put another version of it out after qualifying in Rome. Here it is. keep believing every tournament we go to but we get disappointed unfortunately but the boys have done pretty well so far this year and France 98 um, yeah I mean Germany's the old enemy Argentina's the old enemy um, you know we've got some backstories with these guys Brazil yeah of course in 2002 but yeah we spoke a lot about our our battles with the Germans over the years of course we went out in the last 16 to to Argentina this time Beckham uh, I think he fouled, I think it's Diego Simeone. Now, um, say foul, he, he flicked a, a back leg out when he was on the ground yeah, um, right. and got sent off for stupid, cynical action. Um, and of course, when we went to Japan and Korea, we got Argentina in the group stage. And David Beckham was just getting admonished on the streets of, of the UK. I think some West Ham fans actually burnt an effigy of him. Yeah, right. Because they blamed the World Cup exit on David Beckham getting sent off. and. Michael Owen scored this wonder goal, but we just couldn't hold on. Went to penalties, and guess what? Missed again. Um, but four years later, Beckham's back. He's captain of the team in Japan and Korea. Going to miss the first game against Sweden. Broken metatarsal. I wonder what I wonder what Victoria thinks about all this. <sighs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she loves she she loves the press as well. So I, I reckon she's all good. Heads fuel the fire, doesn't it? But yeah, I think by this point, Badil and Skinner for, for Euro 2000, Korea and uh, Japan 2002. That was um, an interesting cup. That was yeah. a very interesting cup. Uh, I think it was, well, Euro 2000 was Holland and Belgium, wasn't it? 2004, I think, was in, in Portugal. 
and mm. six was in Germany. So they give it eight years mm. for Deal and Skinner until they decided they still believed again and, and got back out there. So definitely stood the test of time, this one, and one that you can still hear on the terraces today from the England fans. And it is catchy, to be fair. So um, with the best will in the world, England uh, go a little bit further in the tournament and overcome Colombia, and uh, we managed to keep hearing this one. All right then, so we're just about to wrap up, but before we do, let's have a little bit of a chat about the last 16 games. So this evening, um, it probably will have been played by the time um, you guys get to listen to this and it's up on iTunes. France play Argentina. Who do you fancy for that one, Scott? Yeah, look, I think Argentina's been quite... Yeah, look, I think they've struggled a little bit early on uh, for me. So I think France... um, Yeah, I think France will get it done. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy, an easy, an easy game for them. I think low-scoring affair, France to get it done. They'll probably reckon about one 0 for me. Okay, so tight. Tight. But France to edge it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'd go with France. Both have started a little bit slower than they would have hoped, but Argentina more so. France have got a little bit more momentum, um, and it's off said that the team that goes on to win the World Cup they do start a little bit slow, um, but they come into their own. France have got every chance tonight. Um, it's just too much of the playing around Messi for him to to be successful for me. Mm. Um, elsewhere, though, um, Uruguay play Portugal. Uruguay are really gathering some momentum now, but Portugal look really good, especially in the opening game against Spain. Um, yeah. They've not been as red hot since, but Ronaldo, arguably the best player in the world in the team, just getting it done. Mm. Three goals. Who do you fancy in that one? Uruguay, Portugal. Look, to be honest, I don't, I don't think I can make a call. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes out to penalties. Mm. Yeah, I that's reckon, tight. I reckon. So, yeah, look, you know, Ronaldo's got a bit of X factor. He's, you know, he's he's probably going to be the difference in this one. So, yeah, I guess we'll see We'll see how it plays out. Um, but, yeah, as I said, it wouldn't surprise me if it was, um, yeah, sort of neck and neck at the uh, at time and then they, you know, go up to extras and duke it out so we'll see how that one ends up well they are the European champions Uruguay we touched on last time small population of, of 3 million people they're definitely in transition at the moment mm. um, but again they've got a goal score themselves in Luis Suarez who's starting mm. to come into his own he's been pretty stingy at the back so yeah tight game indeed but I'm going to go for Uruguay with that one wow um, yeah, I'm going to go Uruguay, that one. Wow. The hosts play uh, Spain. Spain, arguably, in the to- team of the tournament so far, and it could be in Yester's farewell. Russia have got a little bit of momentum, despite having a weak group. Um, could we see a surprise there, or is the safe money on Spain? No, absolutely a surprise. You saw the words right out of my mouth. I reckon Russia are building. I reckon they're building. I reckon the nation's behind them. I reckon, you know, when you get to this stage of the World Cup, anything's possible. And the host nations that we've seen over the years have you know, delivered. So, yeah, look, would, wouldn't surprise me if Russia get it done. I probably wouldn't put my house on it. But, um, yeah, we'll see how that one ends up. But I think I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think it will be. Yeah, look, I think we're in for a few surprises during the knockout stages. But I can't see it being this one tonight. I'm going to have to go Spain. But if Russia did win tonight, uh, if Russia did win in the knockout stages, sorry, uh, you heard it here first on the Concourse podcast. Croatia versus Denmark. Thoughts on that one? It's another one which is going to be very 50-50 for me. Uh, I mean, Denmark's, you know, played some pretty good football. They've, you know, scored some good goals. Uh, Croatia likewise as well. Um, yeah, another one which, which you know, I'm having trouble to split. Um, 
yeah, I guess we'll see we'll see how it goes. What about yourself? What are your what are your thoughts, mate? Where are you sitting with this one? Yeah, look, I think Croatia are the are the, are the darker horses of this mm. tournament. There's always that view of Belgium, and I think that's because we're spoilt with a lot of Belgian talent in the Premier League. Mm. We're exposed to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I feel a little bit more confident in describing Portugal in uh, describing Croatia in in such a way. But that said. Christian Eriksen is uh, really coming to his own in the last couple of games. He's chest plucked out. He's taking up really nice positions. He's pulling the strings. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Croatia for that one. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Meanwhile, we have uh, a South American, Central American clash. Brazil play Mexico. Um, again, Brazil, it took a wonder goal from Coutinho in the first game but have, uh, to, to grab a point. But have also really come on during the tournament as well. Mm, Mexico, building. meanwhile, fantastic counter-attacking team. Well, what do you thoughts right? with that one? Well, you know, Mexico beating Germany in the opening round, you know, massive up upset of the uh, of the tournament tournament. And look, you think Brazil will, will get the job done in this one, but I think Mexico will put up a really good fight. Um, I'll probably see a, you know, nil old draw at half time and then and Brazil will just strike late in this one to take it away. So that's that's where I reckon this one sits. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd probably feel more confident saying if there's gonna be a surprise in this round. Um, it'll come from Mexico beating Brazil rather than um, Russia beating Spain. Yeah. But there's yeah. just this, it's a well-worn path for Brazil. Um, you know, we we had it with, um, you know, they should have won it in 98, everybody said, and turned up in 2006, 2002 and won in Japan and Korea and blew everybody away. Will they do the same thing again after obviously stumbling on home soil and being so poor in their own backyard in 2014? Well, they we'll struggled, right? They yeah. struggled in 14. They struggled massively. So, so they've got goals to lay at rest. Exactly right, they do. But it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Um, yeah, so this is going to be a very interesting match. Belgium will play Japan. Um, that hype around Belgium, I think, yeah. exists a little bit. Do you think that bubble's going to burst or can Belgium go one further yet? Uh, they'll, they'll, go, they'll go deep in this tournament. Definitely. You think? Yeah, definitely. I like Belgium. I mean, look, they're, you know, they're, they're, their last game was, you know... I'm, a little bit disappointing, but I think their first couple of games they really they really got the job done. They got a jump quite comfortably, and you know you look at Belgium early before the tournament tournament started. They were called out as a team that um, you know could go all the way, and I I believe you know you see Germany, which are you know now knocked out of the tournament. I think Belgium are a legitimate chance of actually you know making the the last two um, you know teams within within this cup. So I think they'll get the job done quite easily over Japan. Uh, I think it feels like Japan um, sort of played their final um, last game. But, mm. yeah, we'll see how it pans out. It's going to be interesting. But, yeah, I think Germany will be too strong. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Sweden-Switzerland um, is one of the latter games in the, in the last 16. Sweden have had a little bit of a hiatus from the World Cup in the last couple of years, mm. but they look pretty solid in the group stage. Mm. Switzerland, safe bet, solid team though. And Grant Jacker scored a wonder goal in the group stage too. Which way do you see this one going, mate? Um, yeah, look, it's interesting. You know, you look at the two teams and... Um, yeah, it's another tough one to pick for me. Um, sounds like you're pretty sold on, on Switzerland, is that right? I think they'll edge it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think they'll edge it. In a, in a tight one? Yeah, I'll go with Switzerland on penalties. Okay, interesting. A couple of games of penalties this round that I looked at them doing. If there is, then this is one of them. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, look, that's fair, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Sweden, though, when they're up and about, um, you know, they do have a bit of stock. 
that can that can kick goals. So mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. John Giudetti, former Manchester City striker who loaned to Celtic, he's actually been um, the slowest averaging player, second slowest averaging player in the tournament so far. So hardly pace up front. Do yeah, you know what the first yeah. slowest is? Who? Vincent Company. Must be something about what's yeah. feeding him at City. He's <laughs> great, all these slow players. Um, and lastly, uh, England take on Colombia. I'm excited um, to get your view on this, mate. I'm really excited to get your view on this. Yeah, look, it's interesting. We faced Tunisia in the opening game, and they were group stage uh, opponents of us, uh, of ours, uh, in France '98. Uh, as were Colombia. David yeah. Beckham really announced himself on the international scene with a really nice free kick uh, yeah. against Colombia in the group stage. I think we beat him two 0 Um if I'm not mistaken. Um, look, Colombia look really good. Fast team. You know, Belgium can really play the ball about. Uh, uh, really, They play some really nice stuff. And they play it out and build from the back as well. But they're a little bit more patient than Colombia. Colombia mm. are five, six passes. And all of a sudden, they're at the edge of the box. And mm. um, Falcao missed the World Cup last time. I think he's got a point to prove. A friend of mine at work was saying the other day that you've got a couple of Premier League players in there as well. Um, that are really looking to make a, a point on the international stage. Former Premier League players that perhaps didn't fare as well in England as yeah. was expected of them. Yeah. Falcao at Manchester United yeah. didn't really deliver. Um, and Juan Cuadrado as well, who really shone in Brazil and Chelsea uh, yeah. took on board, but again, just didn't really seem to click um, in the Royal Blue of Chelsea down at Stamford Bridge either. Um, and they both look really, really good in the group stage too. And then you throw James Rodriguez into the mix, who scored one of the goals of the tournament. Yeah, 2014, really nice volley. They've just got so much attacking threat and pace all over the pitch. However, this is the million dollar question, isn't it, mate? Because on that side of the draw, you've got Sweden, Switzerland, Croatia, Denmark, Spain, Russia. So uh, which side of the draw would you rather be on? You know, you've got this huge hurdle of facing Colombia mm. um, with the opportunity to play Sweden, Switzerland, Respectfully, you know, equal or less so opposition to the Colombians, Croatia, Denmark, yeah. there or thereabouts. Croatia yeah. are tipping as a little bit of a dark horse. Russia, okay, they'll have that momentum from the home crowd. Spain have been fantastic. Or would you rather be on the other side of the draw? France, Argentina, Uruguay, Portugal, Brazil, Mexico, Belgium, Japan. Yeah, not, not that side. Definitely so, not that side. You look at Colombia, and I think, you know, they're a team that's got nothing to lose in this cup. And I think that's the mentality that they're going to take into this game. Mm. Uh, I don't think they're expected to win. They probably, you know, they, they can win. Uh, England's a funny one for me on, on the World Cup stage. You know, you look at them over the years and the press and the tabloids locally talk them up and there's a heavy expectation uh, for them to perform, you know, at each World Cup. So, yeah, look, Gaza, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this one pans out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was an upset. But... Yeah, you'd think England would get the job done. I just don't think it's going to come comfortably, that's all. Yeah, that's that's fair. Look, it's going to be a real solid test. And, and I don't think England have actually won a knockout game at the World Cup. I think it's since 2006. Yeah, okay. Because they make it to the next hurdle. Yeah. That's if they can yeah. get out of the group. Um, whether they can get it here, I don't know. But the brand of football that they're now trying to play um, and playing a little bit more freely because of the lack of expectation or lesser expectation in previous years... I just hope they stay true to that and they say we've got nothing to lose also because mm. we're re-identifying ourselves. Um, can England win this World Cup? I have to be honest and say I don't think so. So I'd rather them stick to the brand of football that they're trying to, trying to develop, trying to, produce, yeah. trying to generate, trying to play. Um, the Spanish style, some might stay. Uh, there's certainly pinches of that. Uh, as Gareth Southgate also said, German game's a little bit of an ingredient there too, but 
I like the way it's heading, and I certainly wouldn't want to compromise that for a flat back four and a hoof of a long ball. Mm. I'd rather see England sort of stick to the way that we're playing at the moment. And with that lack of something to lose, um, because of less expectancy in previous years, yeah, look, I'm hoping it makes for a really, really good game. But I'd be surprised if we can get past Colombia. They might do it as an extra time, I think, and, and just grab a goal on the break. We'll see. Right. Have to be managing expectations there, okay. but listener, if you disagree, that's a surprise for me. That's a surprise coming out of your mouth there. Fair enough. I'd have a bit more confidence in that, mate. <laughs> if you disagree, uh, our other thoughts on the last sixteen, on England's chances, on our five worst and five best goals, as well as our reflection on uh, the group stages so far, then you can get in touch. You can rate the podcast on iTunes. Um, you can comment on our post on Instagram, as well as find us on Twitter. Both of those are the concast, po- the concourse pod. And we'll try and include some of those comments when we get back next week and have a look at our favourite World Cup goals. But for now, thanks for listening. Um, enjoy the rest of the football and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for coming along, Scott. Cheers. Thanks oh, for you Got to hold.